BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, hello, guys, and welcome back to the show. So I am coming to you from Greece. Nish and I have been here for the last, what, few days, and we're here for a total of a week, and it's been incredible. For about three weeks before coming, we were kind of going back and forth on whether we should even come because the volume of work we had just felt really like we were dealing with a lot, but then we ultimately decided to come just because, I don't know, I feel like if you're an entrepreneur, own a business, or even honestly speaking, are working at a high-paced business, it just never gets easier. And you almost have to kind of make time and effort to come. And it's been really, really beneficial to be here, not just because, you know, sunshine and being near water is like amazing for your mental health, but just because I feel like being away in like, I guess like a change of pace really helps figure out things like overarching strategy and the direction in which we want to take our business. It's really helped us figure out like fresh ideas and uh, just helped with the strategy bit. And we get into during today's conversation, which I think is something that you guys will learn a lot from, but I just wanted to share that because I know that if you have a really busy, demanding job. Traveling can feel like, uh, like, is it even worth doing? But I don't think you ever look back on life and think, oh, fuck, I really regret doing that trip. Like, no, you make a ton of memories. Um, it's really good for your mental health. And frankly speaking, it's also good for your business. Something that really kind of helped me make the decision to come is something my dad said to me. He told me that, you know, running a business is like a marathon, not a sprint. And so you have to do everything in your power to not let yourself burn out. And, you know, I think that when you love your work and it fulfills you, all you want to do is your work, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you or good for the business, frankly speaking, because if you do too much of it constantly all the time and let it consume you, I think it can lead to burnout. And um, I have suffered from burnout in the past and I'm just trying to protect myself from it. And this trip has been just really incredible, so therapeutic and so beneficial when it's come to like big picture strategy stuff as well. So I will leave you guys with that little, I guess, tip from my experience. So since I am in Greece, I figured today's hot tip can be something to do with travel. So I'm going to talk to you guys about jet lag because jet lag fucking sucks and it can honestly ruin your trip. It can make travel so gnarly, but there is a way around it. So I can actually like do a full episode 
on jet lag and things that I've done to avoid jet lag. But to give you guys a little bit of context, I actually adjusted to the time zone here in Greece within a day. So I flew overnight, landed here, and the next day I was completely fine, which by the way, has never happened to me before. It's just because this time I was super intentional about certain techniques, which I wanted to use to adjust to the time zone really quickly because we're here for a short period of time and fuck, I don't have time for jet lag. Like I'm not going to do an entire episode on jet lag itself. So I will leave you with one hot tip and that is actually to do with sunglasses. So when you land in whatever destination you're at, if you're switching time zones and you land during the day, do not put on your sunglasses, okay? So this is something interesting that I've learned from a lot of research that I've done. Dr. Michael Bruce, who is known as a sleep doctor on Instagram. He's incredible. He's written about it. Dave Asprey's written about it. And I've even talked to Andy Mant, who's the founder of Blue Blocks Glasses, about this whole thing to do with light and the circadian rhythm in the past as well. So you can actually go back. It's I forget which episode it is, but it was done in 2020. You can go listen to it. It's a really good episode. But essentially, your body's circadian rhythm syncs to the sun and natural light, essentially. So during the day, especially in the morning, the rays that the sun kind of emits tells your body to wake up. So if you put on sunglasses, you block a lot of the beneficial rays that kind of tells your body to wake up. So when you're in a new time zone, it's really, really important to just let your eyes like take in those rays so that your body knows that it's time to wake up. So it's been a tip that's really helped me. Honestly, I cannot believe how quickly I adjusted. I did a few more things as well, but I think that this is a really important one. And anytime you come to a new destination, especially if it's somewhere sunny and like warm, the first instinct is to just come up, like, you know, go and put on sunglasses. Don't do that. You'll thank me later. So today's episode, it is in Greece. Obviously it's with Nish. You guys know that. And if you have no context as to who Nish is, Nish is my husband and my co-founder for Array. He is the best co-founder ever. And I think that this episode is really great because it gives you guys a lot of insight as to what it was like for us to build Array, especially in the early days, things that we've done that have resulted in success, what it's like for us to work together as partners and co-founders, tips and tricks we have for new entrepreneurs, literally A to Z about building a business together. And it was so fun to record. Honestly, I'm really excited to bring this to you guys because I think that Nish is incredibly smart and this episode gives you guys a look into our dynamic as well. So I'm excited for you to listen to it. Before we do though, I wanted to read out a review that came in, which was so, so sweet and it really made my day. It's from The Rooted Blonde and she says, Not only is Sif one of the most down-to-earth people I have met in the influencer world, but she provides so much value in her podcasts. She had the best tips and recommendations. I cannot recommend her podcast enough. Also, grab the bloat pills from Array. I promise you won't regret it. The Rooted Blonde. This is so, so sweet. Thank you so much for writing this review. And guys, if you have a second, please take some time to write me a review and rate the show. If you don't know how to write a review, essentially just open the Apple podcast app. Maybe it's already open. Scroll to the bottom and you'll see a section that says write a review and rate the show. So please take a second to do that. It would mean the world. And yeah, with that, let's dive into the show and welcome Nish to the podcast. Okay. So I finally have you here. On the podcast, you'd think as my husband, you'd be first to come on. It took us uh, about two months to make this happen. Yeah, it's because you didn't want to come. Yes, but I only wanted to do the interview if it was in this type of setting. Yeah, we had to bring our recording equipment to Mykonos because Nish just could not manage to make it happen at any other point. (laughs) Um, Do you want to describe the setting we're in right now? It's so pretty. Like we were like outside on our terrace in our um in our room basically and the view is the ocean and all these yachts which Nish is obsessed with. It's beautiful. It's so nice. Wait, can you talk about the analogy you made with the size of yachts and businesses? <laughs> um so there are a lot of yachts here whenever we're walking around or driving around the city. And obviously some are bigger than the others. And some of them are really, really huge. Some of them are really, really small. And so what's really funny is when I was taking a look at these different yachts, 
I was trying to guess at what type of people own them. And so, you know, there's the small ones, and the small ones are the folks who, you know, didn't really get it right. They, they, tried. <laughs> they still have a fucking yacht. No, no they, they tried really hard, okay, they opened up a business, but it's not doing too well, you know. They, it, it doesn't have a strong product market fit. The business was not uh, targeting large amounts of people. And so they could only really, you know, do it for a small amount of time. They could only afford a small yacht. The bigger ones, on the other hand, they did you know, it right. They did it right. They had perseverance. They had a lot of grit. You know, they had a strong business. So what's the goal here with the Ray? <laughs> well, we have to have the bigger yachts. Eh? Well, right now we have no yacht. Yes, exactly. So unfortunately, it looks like we've not done anything at all. <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't even think we're doing as well as you guys with the small yachts. Yeah, but uh, maybe we'll make it happen, or we will make it happen <laughs> down the line. So someone asked me on DM the other day how we even started working together. Oh man, that was a. Uh... Like she asked, basically, um, did the uh, business spark the relationship or did the relationship spark the business? Obviously, the relationship sparked the business. Yeah, I think that it was something that honestly just came about quite organically. It was, you're always doing your thing and you're doing doing well at it. I was always doing my thing and I was doing well at that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the goal, however, was always to work on something big it wasn't actually even necessarily for us to work on anything together mm-hmm. it was individually to work on something big over time it just happened to be that this was something we could work on together yeah i also always said that if i were was going to start a business i'd want a co-founder with like your exact skill sets like i always say this because that was always the grand plan because i feel like the reason array works is because of how different our strengths are exactly I think that we are very opposite but very complementary skill set and personality type type of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is exactly why this works really, really well. But it wasn't like we knew this was something that we were going to do. Yeah. It was something that we said, okay, um, here's what we want to work on. Because Sif, let's be honest, you didn't even know what my job was, did you? You don't even know no, what I No, I still, like, I don't, like, I just... <laughs> remember when you told me product managers what they do or like product people are the people that like have these like experiences like with the um with instagram for example the product designers are the ones who make the like thing really satisfying right right they what she's <laughs> talking about is the haptic feedback when you click on the hard button the what the haptic feedback is like a slight vibration on your phone. Okay. And so those kind of experiences that make people feel really, really happy and make it very delightful, especially in the technology scene. Yeah, anyway, you have no idea what I did. And so that's great. But that's great because it's kind of like, okay, there's a different types of skill sets. How do we make this work together? And then we decide, okay, but this is the business to do to make it work together. Yeah. But I feel like um, the fact that you would come and take my pictures and go on trips with me when I was just blogging was like good practice because I knew that we'd be like, we'd be good working together. Yeah, definitely. I think that something I really underestimated about businesses, especially in the modern day, is the ability to be able to create content, the ability to be able to be very personable with people and consumer kind of facing and just being really cool. I think that is a that is something that a lot of big companies miss. Like whenever actually I've worked at these really large companies, that is something they really struggle with. And then they hire um, marketing people, quote unquote, to make the businesses seem cool, but it's not what they inherently are. And cool in the sense that it's not about, you know, quote unquote, being cool. It's actually being about very, very personable, being um, very relatable and actually getting your word across in a very authentic way, which is not something people are good at. However, you are so good at this because of your experience in, you know, building out Icing Glitter and the podcast and whatnot. And it's something that when I watched you and your journey go through it, I was like, well, this is incredible. I've never seen, you know, many people do this and do it really, really well. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that was definitely a stepping stone to why Array is doing fairly well is because we have the ability or at least we have learned how to do this. Yeah. Not only with individuals, but also with companies. And yeah, that's that's a big deal. What's interesting is that I I actually don't know if 
with me with like that skill set alone would be able to create a company that's like like actually large large right and it could just be me but like I do think that you need a lot of like analytical and critical thinking skills which I think you you are like very good at and also I think it's so valuable that you worked in like a completely different field and you think in such a way. So I know like we've just kind of touched on it with like the the like thing yeah. for Instagram. Yeah. But what's your background even? Like can you explain what even you were doing before <laughs> just to refresh my memory? <laughs> well, first of all, let me just tell you what I where I worked. I used to work at a fintech company and then I used to work at a food and beverage company. And before that I used to work at a bank. It's all very, very large companies, lots of customers, but I used to work as a software developer as well as a product manager. And the software development part is pretty simple. What's the difference between a product manager and a product designer? Product designer is actually the person who's you know designing the product, either from a looks and feels perspective or even from a, a perspective of how the customer is going through the journey of a product. Okay. For example, um, what is experience of the person? Conceptualizing? When, yeah, conceptualizing. Like a part of it was conceptualizing. So for example, um, you know, some of these products you build are brand new. Yeah. Um, in the um, fintech space, we would be like, okay, how do people make payments? Like, how can we make uh, these payments for people, especially in countries like India, as an example, um, really exciting and fun? Or how do we make people paying each other um, really exciting and fun? And I know it doesn't sound it, but, but <laughs> you guys all, everybody here, you guys all use Venmo, you guys all use PayPal, and this is it. This is really it. And if you think about it, Canada actually does not have an app like that there is terrible and you know people use emote interact whatever in canada yeah which is the worst experience it's not fun at all and so it's just kind of like okay why would somebody move away from you know using email interact using something like venmo what is the benefits of using venmo um what are some of the key things that would make um a peer-to-peer uh fintech kind of uh app very very helpful for the person mm-hmm. so for example it'd be instant so i can give you money instantly mm-hmm. i could request money from you i could send it directly into your bank account things like that so like thinking of the problems and coming up to solutions with them and then working with the product designers the engineers the software developers to actually bring this into life and fruition that was the job and make it fun and make it fun but again I don't think you consider fun what I consider fun. Fun for me <laughs> is making payments fun, I guess. Well, it was in the past. Fun for you is, I don't even know, Zip. Like, this, this, being in yeah, Mykonos. Being Mykonos. <laughs> so how then do you bring like those skill sets and concepts into a CPG brand? Ah, this is a good question. So I think that regardless of what it is, CPG or you know, technology company or whatever company, Mm -hmm. I find that thinking of things from that kind of a perspective, which is just like, um, how do I solve problems for people? Mm -hmm. How do I make this really exciting for the customer to use Mm -hmm. and uh, make it very delightful for them when they have an experience? Those all remain the same, regardless of whether it's a consumer package good, whether, whether it's an app or whatever that might be. And the process of conceptualizing the problem and the idea and the solution all stays the same. And so, especially in the early days, you know, that that's where the most fun happens because you have no idea what people want. Yeah. So this is where you're going out and you're talking to people. This is where you're using a lot of your gut and instinct and you're combining both of these things and saying, okay, you know what? This is going to work. So do you remember in the very early days, Steph, when we were like, okay, Nish, what should we do? Should we come up with three products? Should we come up with two products? Mm-hmm. Should we come up with one product? Um, if the one product, what is the product that we should do? And... It was literally all based off of your gut. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's so interesting. It's literally for your gut, the bloat product. <laughs> but I remember you saying that, but Nish, everybody feels so bloated. And I was like, yeah, you're right. But is this even going to work? And then I was like, well, I mean, yeah, everybody feels really anxious too. But what should we really do here? And so that is a really uh, interesting part because it's kind of like the process of conceptualization in the early days and mm-hmm. even in the cpg space is kind of like okay let's go and figure out what the problems that people have let's go and figure out what we think is going to work and let's try it and that was the way that we went to market we had a brief idea of a problem that we would solve and then we spent a small amount of money to go and test this hypothesis out and it worked so we were very very lucky and that's the kind of skill set that's really important to bring because I remember in the early days it was a mixture of you know me being like okay how can we test this out so a lot of testing a lot of iterating and stuff like that and for you 
I remember you were like, but no, Nish, we have to make this look very, very pretty. We had to spend a lot of money on on branding. We had to spend a lot of money on packaging. And that was something for me, which I was very uncomfortable doing. Yeah, so uncomfortable. It was like always like a push and pull because I remember like when when it came to picking like who would design our stuff, do you remember you were like, Sif, why would we spend all this money? We should just go to one of those like freelance people on like, I don't know, one of those sites, you know, yeah, like yeah. they're really like so scrappy. And <laughs> yes. I was like, well, we don't know how they really are. And in retrospect, I think that that was like a really smart thing we did. Absolutely. I think it was a great uh, decision. I still think, by the way, we could have done it the other way around and, and, oh. and, and, and won. <laughs> And be in this exact same spot. No. But it just would have, no, it would have taken way longer. I feel like we would have had to handhold someone for a lot. Like, I don't know. I just, as a, it's just, it's just smarter, I think, not to take any risks when it comes to this stuff. If you're able to. Yes. 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 That's my point. I'm Michelle Kwan. In 1996, the world was in the midst of a massive cultural movement that saw women finally taking center stage. Nowhere was this shift more apparent than at the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta. This audience was the loudest thing I have ever heard in my life. The noise, everybody's cheering, and we see all these USA flags. It was the most important summer in women's sports history. And team after team after team, the U.S. women kept winning. Basketball, soccer, softball, gymnastics. I just said, give me mine. Like, give me mine. Join me for Dear Media's Summer of Gold, presented by Together. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. With the concept of surprising and delighting as a product person, is that product manager? Okay, product manager. Yeah, okay. So I think like that was a direct translation into Array as well. Because remember, our thing was like, how do we surprise and delight people when they open our packages? So like, let's talk about the whole Polaroid idea and how it even began. So you have a lot of Polaroids in the house. I don't know why. Where do you get all these Polaroids from? Well, I would always take them. No, I know. But why do we have three of them? I don't know. I, I think like I was gifted one and then I bought another one or I bought one and then I was gifted one. And I think they're so cute. They're very cute. So we have so many at home. You're always taking Polaroid photos. and I, rem- I didn't bring a Polaroid here. Next time. Next time. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Go ahead. And then I just remember being like looking at our fridge and we have all these Polaroids up on our fridge of all these different things, you know, our vacations and whatever we used to do. And I was like, every single time I looked at those Polaroids, it brought such a smile. Like... Whenever, you know, we'd open the fridge, I was like, well, look at these different cool boards. And that's where the whole idea came from. We said, well, this is something that's going to be really fun. But the whole thing is like, okay, we must surprise and delight people. Yeah. What's going to surprise and delight them? And initially, I remember we were writing handwritten notes. Oh my God, they would take forever. They would take forever. But you know you know how many did? So we did about a thousand of them, by the I way. I know, my hands would hurt from writing <laughs> yes. those fucking notes. Yes. Like, I, I thought it was like such a smart idea because like remember when I'd get those PR packages and like if someone wrote a handwritten note like a brand founder or whatever I'd be like so excited by it and like I get hundreds of these packages right so like being able to do that for customers was awesome but it's like it's hard oh my god it's so hard it's so hard but our whole thing was you know the whole do do things things that that don't don't scale scale. (laughs) right (laughs) and I think that um uh, that's something that we learned from, you know, the uh, YC kind of startups that we learned from. But the whole, I can almost translate that to surprising and delighting because you were able to, in the early days, do things that nobody else can do. These big companies can't really do the things that we're doing. And so for us, we said, okay, let's do something that will, it feels really artisanal. It feels really, really homemade, handcrafted. And the Polaroid was it. Yeah. And, it was, it was something that we liked so much. And also for me, whenever I'd open your influencer packages, because, you know, that's what I do. We have so many at home. I was like, oh my God, look at these cool things. And so we really wanted to do that. And remember, Seth, we would literally take hundreds of selfies with the Polaroid cameras. Oh my God. I, I would like hate Polaroid taking day because that day was every day. And it was like hundred. Do you remember? Sometimes it would take an hour because it was like, uh, what was it? Like 40 seconds to print a Polaroid? Yeah, something like that. But each one only had 10. So then yeah. you take 10, then you'd refill it, then you'd take 10 more. And then you'd have to put on 
different types of outfits for each one I because know. you wanted to, you know, be, make each one unique. So it would take us hours to do these Polaroids. It was wild. It, it was, was wild. the most ridiculous thing. We did find out how to scale it, though. We like, I mean, we we still do the Polaroid thing, but we, we still take the selfies, but yeah. we just have a better printer, which allows us to print things a little bit faster. Yeah, but, but like. I think that as a young brand, doing shit like that is the key to success, really. And, like, I, I think we were able to build, like, a very strong community on account of that as well. Like, even when you think about when you used to go out on your motorcycle and drop packages off to oh people. And you made friends with, like, so many of our customers that way. I also creeped a lot of them out, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can you tell the story of when you showed up to that poor girl's house at, like, 9 p.m. and she opens the okay, door? Okay, not you. We. No, we I was not up. there. Yes. It was you. Like, remember in Toronto, you went to that in North York, that customer's house, poor girl at like 9 p.m. You showed up with like a little box and she's like, she just peeped out of her apartment like. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. Because, you know, nowadays they have the uh, those um, doorbells with the cameras on it. And so I showed up and this person was like, who are you? Why are you here? <laughs> and I said, hi, this is Nishram Ray. I'm here to drop off your package. And um, she was like, okay, well, thank you very much. And I said, I'm here to hand deliver your package personally. And she's like, oh, wow. But she's also like, this is really weird. And I stopped kind of doing it afterwards after that a little bit because it's really weird to show up at people's Well, places. probably at 9 p.m., yeah. Yeah. But during the day, it's okay. Yes. But but I think like like we're obviously you know joking around but like I think that those motorcycle trips were so so helpful like you made friends with so many of our customers because of that yeah not only that but we were going around and you know looking at where they were staying we we're looking at kind of um they're, they're like they were all like family people and you could just tell what kind of people they were it's like oh my god they have dogs they have kids and like you can kind of relate to the type of let's say anxiety or stress or routines or whatever they have in their life and it just allows I remember it allowed us to be like, okay, I, I can kind of tell um, what kind of people would use Array. Yeah. It was so helpful. And you almost like tailor your brand voice like based on what you're seeing from like like what kind of customers you're seeing come to you, right? Like you kind of get a better understanding of like who is our customer if like you're able to do shit like this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, emails and what do you call it? Just like phone calls and stuff like that is... It's one way of doing it, but it's nowhere near as effective as meeting these kind of people in the flesh, especially early on. Like we were meeting tens of people because of the deliveries. It was so helpful. What are a few or like one risk you remember taking, which felt like really risky, <laughs> but it really paid off? Oh my God, Steph, there's so many. Like with race specifically, not Oh, I know, of course, yeah. of course. No, I know. Um, <laughs> no, there's so many. I think that Honestly, one of the biggest ones was what we talked about, which is to do with the the fact that we had to spend so much of our money with uh, branding. With the branding, mm. and then kind of getting our brand imagery and uh, the story and the designs all they can write. I was honestly really, really worried about that. That was a really big one. And then the second one was when we ordered our first uh, batch of products. Yeah. Like those two things in the early on, in the early on, I can probably think of some future ones as well, but in the early days, those things were very, very scary things because I remember us using up about, so if honestly, it was about 40, 50% of the budget yeah. of our total kind of, you know, savings that we had put in towards these two things specifically. And that was, that's a lot. That was a lot of, uh, that was a lot of money. And so, that, that was for me as, okay, look, I really hope you get this right. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't get this right, you only get one more shot yeah. at redoing the whole thing. Now, the great thing is the branding would never go to waste. However, when it came to inventory, you know, we would have to repurchase maybe like a brand new product or go back to reformulation or whatever that might be. And I was really worried about that. But remember, I think we talk about this all the time as well, which is that take the biggest, biggest risk, risk that doesn't kick, kick you out, out of the game. game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so... That's the only thing that really uh, was giving me some peace of mind over there. But oh my God, that was a really, really hard one. And on top of that, like, let's even talk about our hires. Like there were certain people, you know, that we hired and we were paying them six-figure salaries. And honestly, I didn't even know if that was a role we even needed. And so that was really scary. But we, I think that that is the 
key to all the good things that have come. I'm still so uncomfortable with half the decisions we make in the company, but I think it's supposed to be like that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely it's supposed to be like that. And I think like that mentality when it's like take the biggest risk possible that doesn't kick you out of the game. I think it does allow you to experiment, which is important. Like I don't think that every thing you do is supposed to feel right. It's supposed to always feel like a risk and kind of like you're unsure about it. I mean, something in your gut tells you like it's a good idea, but at the same time you're questioning it. Like I remember when we did our very first paid influencer campaign and like this was a conversation for like, I think like a month and a half we were talking mm-hmm. about it because I really wanted to. And you were like, but that's a lot of money. Like, yeah. and you know, and it really was like, yeah. we were just like completely bootstrapped and we didn't really fucking have anything, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. but that really, really paid off. But it, it felt like a risk for sure. Of course. Sif. And you know, the reason why was because it wasn't a small one. It was a big one. And mm-hmm. we were paying full influencer prices. It's not like we had a discount or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But and by the way, let's just be clear that there's also influencer campaigns that have not worked out for us. Yeah, like of we course. have lost um, many, many um, campaigns because they just didn't work out, or we didn't get um, a return that we we're expecting. But that is the that is the game. You, this is the game you're playing. So we are trying different things. You must be experimenting. And you know what, Steph? I think that the default, like I think that the way you should be building something whether it's a business or even in your life or whatever that might be, it should be default, the biggest risk-taking possible. Yeah. And so I think that it's not about actually the way I used to think about it, which is that, you know, let's just be very, very risk averse. In fact, I actually think that you should constantly be taking the biggest risk possible again each other game. Mm-hmm. If at any point in time you are not doing that, then you're actually... You're not growing as fast as you as should you, be. As you should be. And this goes for not only your business, but also like in personal life. So Mm -hmm. for example, do you remember when we would be traveling and I'd be like, no, but Sif, I can't really travel because I have work and I don't want to take so many days off or Mm -hmm. whatever. But in retrospect, when I think about it, every single travel we've ever done, even if I've been working on those trips, has been the the best thing possible. Now, the risk there was literally, you know, the corporate culture, which is like, let's just work all the time. But I was like, no, let's actually go and... uh, um, maybe work remotely and I'll be spending maybe my mornings working remotely. Maybe I can spend my evenings, I don't know, um, sitting outside in Greece somewhere. And that is what we we're doing. But it was always, always very helpful. Give us different perspective. Uh, gives you a lot of things to explore in life. And that was the whole point. So just default taking the biggest risk possible as long as you have food on your table and as long as you will never die. That's really actually it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I want to talk about the like I think that one thing I've or I've known about myself is that in order to think creatively and like really be able to evaluate strategy you almost need to do trips like this or like focus in on like a long weekend when you're not really focused on the minutia of the business and like executing because they take like two completely different like like uh, sides of your brain almost you know Yeah, I completely agree. I think that it's so important to almost disconnect from um, everything you're doing in the day-to-day. I just think that something that I've learned over time is that you want to be doing things almost in a constant state of like cognitive dissonance in the sense that you always want to be in two places in your brain Mm -hmm. where one in one part of your brain, you are so obsessed with the details you're so obsessed with the day-to-day but at the same time you have to be completely not at the same time you completely have to be like let me forget all of that and let me just think of what it is i'm doing here like why am i even doing all of this like why am i even doing the day-to-day in that particular thing that i'm doing and i think that some of the really greatest people that i've worked with and the greatest leads that i've worked with they're able to do this on a daily basis like they will literally um spend whatever the first eight to ten hours of the day managing the team and doing whatever they're doing over there and then the last two three hours of the day they will think of things completely differently however that is very very difficult to do on a day-to-day basis so disconnecting and actually thinking of it from different perspectives is very important but i think you actually need to almost force yourself to do this 
every couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we came up with our entire fucking like Q1, Q2 roadmap um, during the December holidays. Yeah, exactly. In December. I remember we were just sitting there. Um, For 10 days. Yeah, we were just sitting there and it's thinking, okay, what can we do? Like, what is the what is the most we can do? And uh, it's, it's the only way to come up with big, bigger ideas, I feel. Yeah. Working in the business versus on the business, I think. Yeah, I agree. Also, I think that, you know, Sif, this is why I like working with people. Yeah. Because if you work with the right people and uh-huh. the right team, you can actually almost separate uh, that those roles to different types of people. And so, for example, sometimes I will get our girl, Sashana, to work on the business while I'm working in the business or we'll switch roles like that and vice versa with you. So, depending on what you're doing is really important to be able to just have people surrounding you who are almost doing the opposite while you're doing what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because they're both really, really important roles, I think, like being an operator versus being the thinker. But I feel like you need to be doing it all the time. I mean, you do. For me, though, I don't know. Like, I feel like if I'm going into strategy mode, like I need to be in strategy mode, you know? Like mm-hmm. I cannot be like, I don't know, operating on things while also thinking about like future facing or like Mm -hmm. larger things because I don't know I just think that it's two different ways of thinking yeah and I think this is why it works well with the two of us because I actually really like being an operator I also really like just like fixing things and you know being a problem solver whereas you actually like thinking a lot more and so just being able to let you do your thing while I do my thing is also so helpful because then we can just do to do different things by ourselves. What have you learned from working on Array that you didn't know before? Like just based on working on a startup? I did not realize how much working with people was a it was a very difficult thing. Now what I mean by that is that you know when you're working um, in a company? Yeah. You want to move up the company? Yeah. And there is this false sense that maybe having reports to you mm-hmm. or managing a team mm-hmm. is a sense of accomplishment and moving up the ladder and all this kind of stuff. When in reality, I find that it's not at all to do with that. It's actually much more to do with working with the right people to build on something. And so... I find that when we are hiring for the people and we're working with them, it is so cool to be able to hire just great people to work with you as opposed to work for you. Because I used to think that working for someone was really cool. Right. Right. I used to think that, um, oh my God, I, I, you know, lead this team and I do this and this. And, um, and it was such a fulfilling thing. But it wasn't actually fulfilling because you would spend so much of your time just, I guess working on certain things or you'd be, you know, hand-holding a lot of people, that's actually not really fun. What's really fun is when you find mastery in what you're doing and you work with other people who, fi- who find mastery in what they're doing and you're working together to work towards something. This is my one of my favorite parts of working on this business because we get to pick who we want to work with and we get to hire all these really cool people mm-hmm. and then we get to work with them as opposed to for them or vice versa. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think for me, what I've learned is that I think because my background is like different from you, right? Like I worked by myself for a really long time, like just on my blog and like that scene was like really my only team member and like I had a graphic designer, but it's not like I was constantly like talking to them. But one thing that I did notice with you during your like time at other companies was how many calls you were on, right? Yeah. And it was just, it was just a fucking lot. Yeah. And then slowly with Array, like as it started growing, I think it was like in November last year, honestly. Like I remember being like, holy shit, I'm on way more calls than before. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's kind of insane. But my point is that I think it's really important as a startup, like I, I didn't, or I didn't realize the magnitude of this like before working on Array, I guess, was that like you need to protect your time because otherwise I think you're just on calls and like you're kind of answering to everyone else as opposed to focusing on what you need to do. I completely agree with you. 
I think that having a busy calendar is not cool at all. I think that having a busy calendar is not a flex. It's It's not efficient. It's not efficient at all. In fact, I think that you only meet if you absolutely need to. And apart from that, you just protect your time as much as you can. You know, it was really interesting. I find myself being really busy in my own work as opposed to having a busy calendar. Like, if you look at my calendar, it's only about four or five kind of mandatory meetings per week. Everything else is just empty space for us to do what we need to do. But And that is the way it should be. Because otherwise, you're just sitting there in meetings all day long. You don't even know what you're doing. Yeah, some days are like that and it's just the gnarliest and you don't actually get anything that you need to get done, done. Yeah, agreed. It's just like you're just sitting there in meetings all day. And I think that there's like an endless number of meetings that people can attend, it's so true. speaking. So I'm like, I think that protecting your time as like a startup founder is something, I don't know, that like it, it just needs to be done. Yes. <laughs> and I know for you, it's like, like your calendar is empty. But for me, I need it to be structured. So like, just like adding in like when I'm working on what I think is really? important. Yeah. Yeah, you're a very structured human being. Yeah. You always like to have things planned out very well. So then what are your optimization tricks? Ooh, in what sense? Can you elaborate like a little bit? Like time optimization and just like efficiency. Oh my God, Sif. Honestly, I am so bad at answering these kind of questions because <laughs> I don't have any tips and tricks. I like You've seen me. I literally wake up and I can go attend a meeting just like that. Just because... Do you not have anxiety? Like No, I really I'm don't. I'm pretty sure you do. I don't no, I, I No, I, I, I know you do, okay? Because you don't sleep at night until long hours. And sometimes you're just up reading articles or like watching some stupid shit. No, no, no. I, I've stopped doing that. I've stopped doing that to a certain extent. I don't, really, <laughs> like to, I don't really do that as much anymore. But I... I don't know. I don't feel like I need to structure myself all that, out, out that much. I mean, look, I have certain key things. For, for example, I love using Evernote. And on Evernote, I have my, you know, all of my kind of to-do lists or whatever. But my to-do list is structured very, very well in the sense that I only have what I need to focus on on the thing. So if I look at my list, you know, number one, two, and three are the things that I must get done that day. And so I just, I'm just like, no matter what, I must get these things done. And then I just work off of that. And I'll just do what it needs to get done to make those things get done like that is as simple as that for me i don't really have all these cool tips and tricks and fancy little you know things that you probably do why don't you you ask this question i think people want to hear from you more about this i would say that yeah i mean a like a very tight to-do list i think is really important and like i write it down because that's the only way that it feels satisfying to me and like i don't know it just feels a lot more concrete like i was using evernote for a while i actually got it I want to say like a few months back and I just I didn't like it like but looking at my to-do list on my actual um, diary is so much better I feel yeah I have like usually I put seven things on there and in order of most to least important and often like I'll put the biggest tasks right at the beginning so I have to get it out of the way no matter what yeah but there's no way you're getting seven things done no no so like what I do is like whatever I can do gets done I cross it off the list and then I just carry the others down Mm. onto the next day or the next day like some things are like very low priority right Mm -hmm. and then those just keep getting carried over until I actually have a chance to do it but that's how I structure my to-do list and I think like a tight calendar as well is really important like which I'm actually going to start doing again Um, I've fallen off a little bit but I would like time block my day's like perfectly, which I thought was really, really helpful. So I feel like I need to start doing it again. That's really interesting. Something that I do is that I don't really care about my emails all that much. In the sense okay, that- but your inbox fucking stresses me out. Like I look at the 2000 unread emails and it's just like, it gives me an anxiety attack. <laughs> yeah, but look, my life is great. <laughs> it's completely what? fine. Everything is good. Those 2000 emails, I have no idea who's emailed me and most probably completely useless and waste of my time. And so I find that, because this is, again, emails are basically inbound requests. It's unfiltered, unauthorized inbound requests to me that I never asked for. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you emailing me? Most probably, it's not very important. The number of weird emails I get, though, it's just like... From who? From all sorts of people, like giving me, like offering me services and like, let me do this or that. I'm like, dude, like... So you know what my lot. favorite thing to do is? Because... <laughs> 
<laughs> because I know. So the way it works is when they send you an email, they use this app which allows them to track whether you opened it, whether you unread it, whether you clicked on an attachment. They have all this data, right? And so I love opening the emails because I want to see how many times they're going to follow up and what their tips and tricks are to try to get me to reply back to them. And so what's really interesting is like <laughs> they will like sometimes I've had people offer me free AirPods because you're like, oh, I know you opened the, up this email. Um, what can I do to help you more? By the way, here's some free AirPods. And, and they will do. And well, where are the AirPods? <laughs> it was useless. I'm not going to. I don't want free AirPods. Why? I would want them. No, I can afford them. I can, I can even buy you a pair of AirPods if you need it. I just don't want to talk to random people who do this. But yeah, it's, I, I like watching that. And then what? Nothing. I just like to see what people do and how they follow up. What is this? Like a fucking sick game? <laughs> yes, it's a sick game. It is a sick what? game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another classic way to waste your time in case you're looking to procrastinate at all. What is the most fulfilling part of running a business? Oh my God. Honestly, it is the ability to do what it is that you want to do. There's a lot of things that I wanted to do in the past, a lot of ideas that I had and I wanted to bring to the world. And so to just be able to do that without talking to anybody about it and just being able to do it is the most fulfilling thing. It doesn't, not having to go to somebody, not having to, you know, take permission, whatever that might be. It is so, so satisfying to be able to do that and then see the effects of that happen in the world. Like when, for example, people are, using their products or people are, you know, raving about them and talking about them. And do you remember when we were in New York and we were crossing the yeah, road? And, crazy. you know, this uh, really um, nice lady just stopped us or yelled at us from the car in the nicest way possible. It was like, hey, are you guys the founders of Ray? We're like, yeah, we are. And she was like, oh, my God, I love your products. Like, that is it. That is the that. How can anything not be more satisfying? That, you know, that is the most satisfying thing ever. Yeah, it's true. I know that we also, like you and I always talk about like building the business that we always wanted to work at as well. And like, I think that that's something that's so fulfilling to me, like being able to create a workplace that like I would have loved to work at when I was younger, you know, like not micromanaging people and like the concept of like entrepreneurship, which I'm like, I think that that is what, I don't know, like create successful teams. Yeah, I completely agree. Like when I when I look at a lot of the companies out there and the way they operate, it's really unfortunate because, you know, it's kind of just like this way to go and make some money and then go home and then that's really it. And I I completely agree with you. I, I, I think that the way corporations are built today and the way that they incentivize their people and the way that they take care of people is completely incorrect. Yeah. Now, I also think that a workplace is absolutely not like family like that is not actually what it's like it's very much to a workplace it's very much to a professional workplace i really feel like there is a way to um be capitalist while having people in your mind first yeah and so i think this concept of like people first capitalism is super important yeah in the sense that whenever you're doing things to, for in a for-profit business, mm -hmm. you should really think of, okay, but how can I help make this better for the people that are working here and also for the customers that are working there? So for example, being able to, you know, provide our um, our team with a wellness uh, kind of stipend, which is, do you, want to, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so basically um, we... Like we we discussed Nish and I, like how cool would it be if we could give everyone in our on our team like a wellness stipend that they can use for anything that makes them feel their best, from like a therapist to even manicures to like I don't know like uh, sleep like aura ring for example, whatever you what, want, whatever like fucking Botox we don't care like use Literally. it for whatever makes you feel like happy mentally and just like like your life is better. Yeah, like doing that and then, you know, being able to pay people more than they're worth. Something that I really hated as an example is that, I don't know, for some reason, pay was, uh, like salaries were directly correlated to age. And I never understood that. Oh my that. God, it's so fucking stupid. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. You know, when I graduated, I think I went from 
22 in my first job to about 28 in a matter of a year. <laughs> like, okay, but you were like, I remember you were 30 in the middle there for like five <laughs> years. Okay, like I, yeah. I spoke to people between like 2014 to 2018 and you were 30 the entire time. I was, I was. Yeah, I, I really... I was able to sneak my age up and up very, very quickly. Every every three to six months, it's celebrating <laughs> my birthday, okay? And next thing you know... But the fucking best part is that people would come to your birthday parties and it's, it's like, Nish is 28, but like, you've been going around saying that you're 30 and I think that we're just too drunk to realize. Oh my gosh, if, do you not remember when I had some of my work friends over and literally our close uh, group of friends all had to... Pretend that I was 30. 30 <laughs> when I was actually, what was I, 28 or something like that? Because I had told everybody I was 30. And like, what a stupid thing. What a stupid thing. But literally, Sif, that was the reason why um, they were able to give me um, higher salaries. You know why, though? Because uh, before that, when I had asked for a raise or whatever that might be, the response from the supervisors was that, uh, but Nish, um, making XYZ at this age is, is great. Uh, what are you complaining about? You're already in the top 1% of your age bracket in this oh company. My God. And I'm like, this makes no freaking sense. Like, what a dumbass response to my um, my question. Like, yeah. how does you it make should, any sense? You should be compensated for whatever you're bringing to the table. It has nothing to do with age. It has absolutely nothing to do with age. Yeah. And so, just stuff like that. It's just like, you know, get paid based on what work you do. Actually take time off to do whatever you want to do. Be able to work remotely if necessary. Come into the office if necessary. Obviously, with certain restrictions based on, you know, what we need to be able to work as effectively as possible. But much more so just like, look, there's a certain type of business that we want to build. And we all want to obviously be massively successful, massively, hopefully be compensated very, very well for it across the board. But let's just do it in a way where you're genuinely very happy to do so. You know, it's, I heard it on like a podcast interview or Reddit or something like that, where someone said that if you take care of someone's financial needs, right, and like just make that a conversation, right? Yeah. Not like something that you have to sidestep or like feel like they need to like push for it. Like if it's something that's very honest and upfront and you're taking care of people that way, then like they'll take care of the business. And I feel like we've been really like honest and like just straightforward about salaries when it comes to everyone we've hired and like whatever number that they want to hit even if we can't afford to pay them that at the beginning like we get them there and like we're not here to like I don't know like compensate people based on age I don't know like make them feel like they're doing all this work for not enough money you know and I feel like that is what um creates the concept of entrepreneurs as well because it's like your potential is kind of like uncapped and also what i think is that money is just one of those things you know like it doesn't it's not really the beyond the end all like i remember it was certain threshold that you hit after which it actually does not matter at all yeah um in the sense that matter in the sense that is not really something that you worry about and so that's just one of the things i think on top of that is much more about actually like what you're doing and how effective it is and and seeing your mission also kind of um, play out out in the open is also so exciting. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when you're so small like we are, it's so exciting because everything little, every little thing you do has such a big impact and you yeah. can actually see it play out and it moves the needle forward so much. And so it's a mixture of those things. I actually don't think that everybody's in it for the money. I think that they think they are, but then the moment you hit a baseline threshold it is no longer about well, money. Well that's the thing like when you take that money piece out of it then like I think that you're just able to think about other things you know because yes. otherwise you're almost in like survival mode. Yeah absolutely. Yeah you're so worried about making more money that you don't actually think about what really really matters yeah. and money is actually never the thing that matters all that much so yeah. Like even like for us um, when it's come to hiring because I know that I have a few questions about like how to make hires and like your first hire when you're a young startup and it's like if you don't have the funds like that's that's fine being like very open about it being very choosy about hiring generalists as opposed to specialists when you're really 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 young and then bringing them up in salary yeah completely agreed I actually think that you almost always need you always need to have generalists across the company yeah people who are able to work on random things solve problems and just you know one day they'll be able to do 
product. The next day, they'll be able to do um, help with customer support. And the day after, they'll be able to help with operations. Mm-hmm. And so these kind of people are so important because they just want them to go and fix problems in the company. Mm-hmm. And then once the company gets bigger and bigger, you want to be able to hire specialists who are, who are really experts in those fields and you know what for example you don't want a generalist working in hr you actually want someone who is really compassionate really cares about people has a lot of experience doing this to be able to help people want the way you want them to you don't want a generalist working as a software engineer yeah oh my god can you even imagine can you imagine (laughs) we're like a generalist working on social media oh my god no you absolutely not you actually want these specialists but you want a combination of these people really in the right roles that really helps make things happen yeah yeah, I'm with you. And then another tip when it comes to hiring as well is for us, um, when we weren't able to afford like a, like full-time like team members, what we did was we started people off as like contractors and would pay them on like monthly or like project type sal- salaries or like, I guess, like compensation. And then when we could, we brought them on full-time and gave them the salary that they wanted. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, the thing with hiring people, Ziff, is that it's actually becomes a lot to manage. Yeah. Like you almost don't, you almost want to keep the team as small as possible. Like lean. Like as lean as possible because otherwise the complexities that come with more and more people is, is too much. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. And it's actually not something that uh, most people enjoy. Like the complexity of managing a large team, it's, is, is a job on its own mm-hmm. and it's, it's not fun it, it actually takes away from the output of what you want to do and so thinking of things as a perspective of okay how do i increase the output of this team as opposed to increase the number of people and number of hours you're doing is very very helpful so i find that actually working with agencies has been amazing mm-hmm. and so bringing on agencies more and more is not only helpful in terms of your output and, and being able to get experts on the team because you got to think of this when you're hiring new people you got to give them time to catch up to get ingrained in the culture to to do all these different things yeah when you have an agency they're actually already like they're trained to do they're that trained to do so. default and yeah. you know the relationship is very direct it's like look this is what i need you guys are experts in your field come and help me do this mm-hmm. now of course um over time depending on the size of the agency you might have to bring those in because you're you might be too big but hiring is hard it's complex it's not the most fun thing to do no, as we both it know sucks. It's, it's the worst in fact and you don't need to actually necessarily always do it if yeah. you just have a good group of core people and then you work with a lot of outside people that is a great strategy and it's worked really really well for us yeah it has so the last question which i got was to do with how we work together and how we balance like being in a relationship with work so I'm going to let you go first. Oh my God, Steph. This is ridiculous because this, there's no such thing as balance. What balance? Like it, <laughs> it does not exist. And there's, the answer is literally that we always go overboard in one end, which is usually the work end. Like 110 percent of the time. is work. <laughs> and then uh, you wait until it becomes bad enough for either one of us to start yelling and being like, oh my God, like we haven't had dinner together in so long. Let's please go do that. Well, this fucking happened. Like, Yeah, exactly. Well, to be fair, we usually have a date night rule, but then over the last few weeks prior to us coming to Greece, we just, I don't know, like we ignored that rule for like three weeks, I think it was, right? Yeah, three, four so weeks like maybe. Yeah. And it was like not great because that's like our time to like chill and catch up and and not hang out in a co-founder capacity. I think that what's been really great for us is that we've been very lucky in the sense that we've been able to go to certain places um, over the summer and also that uh, we've been so lucky because we've been building out our team in, in LA and New York that we were able to spend so much time over there. And so even though we weren't, you know, quote unquote, having date nights, we were exploring these new places together. We were doing all these things together, which is very, very exciting. Now, granted, they're all work things. At the end of the day, I just find our life to be so exciting. Okay, I think that the things that we do are things that very few people get to experience. And regardless of whether I am doing with you intentionally as, you know, my partner or not, it almost to me, to a certain extent, doesn't matter because we're having so much fun doing what we're doing. Like to be thinking about our move to L.A., to be thinking about the future of a company, to be thinking about how much you like and dislike things. Also, our problems are the same in the sense that when something is holding your way down, it's our problem together. So 
we work on these things that are so exciting that uh, it's just it's just fun. It's like you know hanging out together, being together, thinking of those things together. It's just fun, and I think that that is our common interest. And so in that sense, it doesn't really even matter too much because we have so much fun doing this. Like not once in the last eight months of the crazy year that has been have I once thought. Oh my God! I have lost Sif as my partner. Yeah. If anything, I think we're even closer. We get closer day by day because of the shit that we go through together, and to be able to, for example, like these trips in my mind is what is a great kind of uh, way for us to reconnect. I would say outside of the business mm-hmm. because that's when we get to enjoy ourselves, you know, by going out and meeting different people and being with friends or even just like. Constantly having nice dinners outside. This is where we get going to, go- to the beach. Exactly, stuff and, like that. And that stuff, that's like really, really fun, exciting times. But I, I just, there's no such thing as balance. You know, it's, it's always going to be a little bit more of work than it is going to be this because we're trying to do something you know, ways out done before. We're trying to build something really big, and it's bound to be that way. But it is so net positive on everything that in our lives that. Who cares if I don't go for date night for two weeks? We'll go on week number three. Yeah. So I will add something to this. And I think my answer is like kind of similar, but a little different. For me, I like I'm with you. I think like it's so much fun to work together. And honestly speaking, like Array has brought us like closer together. I think we're stronger as partners because of Array. But I think that for me, it's like and you know this, like it's it's important to differentiate when we are co-founders versus partners, you know? So yes. like there's times where I have to be like, we, we can't talk about work right now. I just want to talk about non-work things. Completely agreed. And like, because otherwise, like, it's like, like having a business is like having a kid in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. right? And like, you can't let it constantly be the thing, especially if there's like, if you if the business is like there's like problem solving bits because those right. are like so tough to think about right and like so taxing and like often those conversations are really fucking hard right and so i think for me like i'm i'm with you i don't think that there is necessarily like a balance per se like i think it always skews more towards the business because let's face it like five out of seven days are weekdays and for us that's six out of seven days yeah. um but at the same time, like, I think for me, it's really, really important to sometimes, like, step out of our work and be like, no, we're not talking about this. And, like, I just, I really need to focus on, like, like our relationship outside of that as co-founders. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, it's super important. There's no question about it. We have to take time to do things outside of those things, especially whatever, the, like, for fun. You know what I mean? Just, like, literally is having fun. And I find that... Fun for me and you is just completely disconnecting from those six out of the seven days. And the best way to do that is just, I honestly don't feel like dinners actually cut it. I think dinners are just, uh, they're they're really fun in, yeah. in the sense that we'll be, we'll be able to eat and have a good meal and whatnot. But it's not like our brain is off that thing. I think doing activities like, you know, when we used to hike together, yeah, we used to go to work with really together. Fun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think that those things are really important and helpful. Mm-hmm. And also... Uh, keeping a constant way of celebrating our milestones is very, very helpful. Yeah, totally. Right? And so remember, we, we would always have these little things that we would celebrate. And so, for example, the whole wine thing we would do. So, um, you know, buying a nice bottle of wine, depending on how well our sales used to do. Um, that was such a fun activity. Um, also, these bigger milestones, like going on a trip once we hit certain activity, certain milestones is really exciting. And just doing things like that where we can truly completely not think about work is, is just so amazing because we automatically get to reconnect as partners as opposed to co-founders it's true okay that is a fucking long ass interview is it really interview, conversation whatever no like in a good way <laughs> how long is it too long no it's not too long okay it's how long is it well i think it's like the length is perfectly fine okay this was really fun um okay i think the last question i will ask you is what are your favorite books that you would recommend to anyone starting a business? Ooh, um, well, I think I always bring this one up. Everybody already already knows it, but I love the Blitzscaling book by Reid Hoffman mm-hmm. and Chris Ye. It is one of my favorite books for understanding how to build massively scalable businesses 
very quickly with the right mindset. Mm -hmm. I also love um, the book by High High Output Management. Yeah. Um, by Andy Andy Grove. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting the name, but that is a fantastic book. I'm actually not even all the way through it. I'm only halfway through it, but as it is such a great it doesn't it hasn't lost its uh timeliness even though it was written just a long time ago another fantastic book crossing the chasm is a good book that i enjoyed but it's really dry and the examples are really old but it's a great book for kind of understanding different stages of the business mm -hmm. so when you're really young and small and you're trying to get your early users and going from there to getting your second set of users who may not know about you as much or maybe in a different other fringe of society that is a great one and then also one of my favorite authors is actually Seth Godin and so listening to all of his different books are amazing yeah um, I think those are some of my favorite authors and books but yeah you also like Principles oh yes of course how can I forget Principles by Ray Dalio mm -hmm. yeah that's that's another really really good book I just like it because he is obviously a very successful uh, business person and he's able to lay, lay out not only his principles of work but also his principles in life mm -hmm. and so the way he thinks about his life and work the way he integrates it really really cool um, nuggets out of that one yeah and I I know that you really like this one and I really like it too what is it's it? good to great oh my god good to great is absolutely fantastic yeah it's like I think a building block for of like books for any entrepreneur or like business owner you know what if I really think about it and I, I attribute a lot of my thinking and success of array in the first year of business mm -hmm. I would say it would be good to great is a big one yeah I would say I believe it's called This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. Is that the name of the book, Seth? Yeah. This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. That's another one. The other one is Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Ah, uh, yeah. Zero you one. love that I one. love that book. Zero to One from Peter Thiel. And then Blitzkilling. That's it. Just those four books. Nothing else and needed. I will add to this um, is Building a Story Brand. Ah, yes. Of course. Of course. Yeah, yes. that one is awesome. Okay. Well, tell everyone where they can find you. Oh, you can What's find your me? Instagram handle that I came up with. It's so smart. You can find me on Instagram at Plenty of Niche and on Twitter at Plenty of Niche. And that's really it. Remember? Remember when the only handle available was plentyofniche.ca and I told you to get it. <laughs> this is a bizarre handle. I would have not done that. That's so weird. Okay, this is fun. Thank you, Siv. That was so much fun. Thank you, Nish. That was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.